Good morning, good morning. Grace and peace to you. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Who's wearing green? Who's not wearing green? You're not? I'm wearing green. Right here. So there's a pen in your... Just grab that if you need it. <laughs> right. So welcome again uh, to Metamore Midnight Church. And uh, good, to, good to gather. Welcome to the second Sunday of this Lenten season, this Lenten journey. As we move towards Jerusalem, the cross and resurrection. Our Lenten series has been Blessed Hunger, Holy Feast. Blessed Hunger, Holy Feast. And last week, if you missed us, uh, we discussed and reflected upon Jesus' temptation in the wilderness. Our Lenten series, um, again, is Blessed Hunger, Holy Feast. Uh, the reality of last week is that God delivers, God delivers. And temptations reveal. Temptations often, if we allow them, reveal what's, what's uh, deepest and truest in us. And we, and we looked at this idea that you know, Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit. And then we, just a time of reflecting, uh, what, are, what are we full of? Are we full of that same Spirit or not? Today, we have a fascinating uh, interaction between Jesus and some of the teachers of the law. Okay, So I just want to jump right in. So at that time, verse 31, the Pharisees came to Jesus and said to him, leave this place and go somewhere else. Herod wants to kill you. If you've grown up in church, uh, you're probably aware of this ongoing tension, this ongoing adversarial relationship between Jesus and the religious structure. Jesus and the teachers of the law, the Pharisees. Uh, and the Pharisees often, in Scripture, get a bad rap, right? Um, because they oppose who and what Jesus is all about. But in this instance, you know, you look at this Scripture, this here... Um, Rhonda, if you tap on the, uh, if you go back to the beginning of the message, you can hit the black background, and then that'll bring it forward. Maybe Kelly can help. So, I don't know. Oh, there we go. Perfect. Oh, nice. Okay. So, uh, looking at that scripture again, at, um, you know, the Pharisees come to, came to Jesus and said to him, leave this place and go somewhere else. Herod wants to kill you. But the Pharisees here seem to be on Jesus' side, Right? The side of protection, the side of safety, the side of protection from Rome, protection from Herod. Uh, so maybe the Pharisees aren't such bad people. I don't know. Uh, they seem to here to be in favor of Jesus. But is this true? Or, or are they motivated by the fear of Rome and what might happen to them as a result of Jesus' ministry? This, we can hold this possibility as well. So it might be, indeed, what they're saying out of uh, sort of a self-serving kind of reality, self-serving reasons, potentially. But what I want to grab from this first verse is um, to consider this one thing. What if you went into a store and the clerk said, leave this place and go somewhere else? <laughs> you might be taken back a bit. If you were to go into school and the teacher said, hey, Leave this place and go somewhere else. Or if you were to enter a, or go to a basketball game and the ref blew the whistle and said, leave this place and go somewhere else. Or what if you came to church 
And the greeter at the door said, go away from here, leave this place, and go somewhere else. I don't, know, I don't know about you, but that sounds to me like rejection, right? Who would say that's sort of a rejecting kind of statement, right? And we're going to come to this idea of rejection in a minute, but I wanted to grab that from the first verse before we go to the next one. So um, continuing on, he replied, Go tell that fox, go tell that fox, I will keep on driving out demons and healing people today and tomorrow. And on the third day, I will reach my goal. Go tell that fox. Referring to Herod, cunning and crafty King Herod. This reminds me of the time when, when Jesus was approached by some of John's disciples. John the Baptist had some disciples. And these disciples were coming to Jesus and, and they asked, Are you the one? Are you the Messiah? And Jesus replies with, Go back and tell John. Report back to John. That the blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached or proclaimed to the poor. So Jesus here is reporting back to Herod. He was reporting to John the Baptist, and now he's reporting to Herod that these same things are still happening. These same things are still happening. What's happening? Driving out demons and healing people. All right? This is... His mission, this is part of the reason he came. And I also want to bring attention to, on the third day, I will reach my goal. On the third day, all right? So driving out demons and healing, pe- healing people, all right? You would think that driving out demons and healing people would end at the cross. You know, Jesus is nailed to the cross, right? You would think it would end there. But I, I think what I want to focus on here is, you know, the focus is not on the cross. The focus is on resurrection on the third day. The focus is on resurrection. And this ought to be our focus as well as we journey through the Lenten season, our focus of resurrection. Because we can pause here in, you know, when just a Christian is asked in, in, the, in the United States, hey, why did Jesus come to earth? A common response would be, well, Jesus came to earth to die on the cross and to save me from my sins. This, yes, is true in part. But I believe the focus here is his complete mission. The end goal is resurrection and new life. The end goal is not the cross. It's resurrection. It's new life. So moving on in the the text Uh, In any case, I must press on today and tomorrow and the next day. For surely no prophet can die outside of Jerusalem unless your name is Ezekiel or Jeremiah, who both died outside of Jerusalem. But that's a different story. A couple of weeks ago, uh, the sermon text was the transfiguration of Jesus. Okay, two weeks ago. Yeah, two weeks ago. Where Jesus goes on the mountaintop with Peter, James, and John and is transfigured before them. And right after that story, in Luke chapter 9, it says um, that Jesus' face is set towards Jerusalem. This is kind of like a a hinge point in the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 9. It's a declarative statement. It's a turning point in the Gospel. Now in Luke, that's chapter 9. In Luke, what chapter does Jesus finally get to Jerusalem? 
chapter 19. Chapter 19. That's a full 10 chapters later. Maybe the GPS was broken. Maybe a flat tire. I don't know who was riding Cobalt. You know, it's a long delay. He was taking his sweet time. Okay? So here in chapter 13, so chapter 9, chapter 19, and we're in 13, which is about halfway, um, the halfway point, perhaps the, whole, the thing to hold on to, that no matter how long it takes, Jesus is going to Jerusalem to reach his end goal, which is resurrection. And the very real th- threats of Herod's violence, not an issue, not something to, to distract him. It is interesting that it takes so long, isn't it? Ten chapters of stories, of interactions, healings, and teachings. But not only is it interesting, I think it's important. And I think it's also intentional, what Jesus does. There is this in-the-meantime season, right? In the meantime. The narrative that's happening from the Transfiguration to Jerusalem in the meantime, is important. What happens in Jerusalem is important, right? The death and resurrection. But it's in this meantime. It's in the present. This is what matters. For it's in the meantime that Jesus takes time to heal those who are ill. It's in the meantime that Jesus teaches the crowds and his disciples. It's in the meantime that he engages those who oppose him. It's in the meantime that he blesses the children. It's in the meantime that he brings restoration to those on the margins of society. It's in the meantime that he liberates those held captive to the evils of the world. It's in the meantime that Jesus continually communicates God's unending love. It's in the meantime that Jesus encourages his his followers to be persistent in prayer in the pursuit of justice. In the meantime, it matters. The present, it matters. Today and tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day and the next day. And the next day, it mattered to Jesus. This present moment ought to matter to us as well. Because God, with Jesus, will be at work in the end, right? He'll be at work on the cross and in the resurrection. But God is at work now, in the present, in the 10 chapters, 10 chapters that matter. Chapters that bring more purpose and intentionality to his mission. So Jesus had this in the meantime season. Jesus discovered this between transfiguration and the cross and his resurrection. Between when we began the journey of faith and following Jesus and our own resurrection, we too are in the meantime. You know, someone comes to faith and they're like, well, I can just go to heaven now, right? But we have to sort of wait for that, and we're in this meantime space, right? Um, In the meantime, 
we are in the meantime. So the question is, in the meantime, how is God at work in you? And another question is, how, how is God at work, perhaps through you, in the meantime? Let's hold these questions for a moment or two. So as we're in the second week of Lent, we look ahead to resurrection. We're reminded that God is at work, even here, even now, whenever and wherever we may be. Ten chapters. It matters. What we do with these weeks of Lent and what we do beyond the season of Lent, it matters. Why? Because we have the opportunity, opportunity to witness to the love of God who will simply not give up on his people. This is evident in the story today. God will not, Jesus will not give up on his people. Ever. You know, with our Lent theme again, you know, we have this blessed hunger, a longing for resurrection blessed hunger, as well as a present holy feast, the fruit of God's work here and now, here and now. So moving on, uh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who killed the prophets and stone those sent to you. Do you hear the lament? Do you hear the longing in his voice, the yearning, the pain and the ache as he says, Jerusalem, oh, Jerusalem. Earlier I mentioned this greeting from the Pharisees that they, that, or they gave Jesus, leave this place and go somewhere else. Well, again, this is resurrection. Or, sorry, this is rejection, not resurrection. This is rejection. Jesus, you are not welcome here. You are not welcome here. Why? Because the road to Jerusalem is paved with stones of rejection. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those who are sent to you. This Jerusalem word mentioned twice. It's Jerusalem, it's a place. It's a people. It's also a moment in time. Jesus, there. It's a moment in time. But could this Jerusalem also be universal? Could this Jerusalem be all places, in all people, across all of history, even today? Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Metamora, metamora. Could Jerusalem be a metaphor for humanity? Humanity, Humanity, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you. When Jesus calls out Jerusalem, Jerusalem in lament, is he calling out, Eric, Eric, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you? 
wait, I haven't killed anybody. <laughs> wait a minute, I haven't killed any prophets. I haven't stoned anyone who's been sent to me. Or have I? Have I done this? I don't know about you, but I carry these stones. I carry these stones with me. I got my bucket. Anyone's got a bucket or some pockets? I carry these stones that are dirty from the outside, but I carry these stones around with me. And I have to ask the question, do I do this? You who kill the prophets in stone, those sent to you. Do I have, do I have pride? I can do this by myself. I don't need Jesus. I mean, do I have arrogance? My way is better. Maybe a stone of maybe a stone of fear. Stones that build up walls rather than homes to welcome everyone. Maybe I have a stone of prejudice. You are different than me, and you don't belong here. Perhaps we have a stone of defensiveness and don't challenge me or my way of being in this world. Maybe a stone of violence. A stone that denies another person's dignity and humanity. Maybe it's a stone of lust or gluttony. Satisfying my own needs at the expense of others. We all have our stones, don't we? What stones do you carry? Let's hold this question together for a moment. we're considering these things. May we together as a church family have just a time of confession. Um, I'm just going to read the light part and if you can join me with the, the bold face on the next slide there. Most holy and merciful Father, 
we confess to you and to one another and to the whole communion of saints in heaven and on earth that we have sinned not by our own fault in thought and word and deed. We have sinned by our own fault in thought, word and deed. And, we, and what we have done and by what we have left undone. Lord, have mercy. We have not loved you with our whole heart, our mind, and our strength. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We have not forgiven others as we have been forgiven. Lord, have mercy. We have been deaf to the call to serve as Christ served us. We have not been true to the mind of Christ, and we have grieved your Holy Spirit. Lord, have mercy. We confess to you, Lord, all our past unfaithfulness, the pride, hypocrisy, and impatience of our lives. Lord, have mercy. Our self-indulgent appetites in ways our exploita- uh, and our exploitation of other people. Lord, have mercy. Our anger at our own frustration and our envy of those more fortunate than ourselves. Lord, have mercy. Our intemperate love for world, worldly goods and, and comforts and our dishonesty in daily life and work. Lord, have mercy. Restore us, good Lord, and let your anger depart from us. Favorably hear us, for your mercy is great. Accomplish in us the work of your salvation, that we may show forth your glory in the world. By the cross and passion of your Son, our Lord, bring us, our holy saints, the joy of his resurrection. The joy of his resurrection. Amen. So as the text continues, how, I, how often I longed yearned, desired to gather your children together, Jerusalem, your children together, as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. And you were not willing. See, when we throw our stones, we're not just denying or rejecting Jesus, but we're also denying and rejecting ourselves. Because this denies who we are as God's people. Jerusalem was to be the holy city. Not the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. Yet, we're busy throwing our stones and we're unwilling. We are unwilling. When we throw our stones, we're saying yes to the fox and we're saying no to the hen who longs to gather her people under her wings. But the truth is, the gospel is, but thanks be to God. Even with stones in our hands, even with stones in our hands, Jesus longs to gather you, to gather us, to gather me under his wings. He could have chosen a path that did not not lead to Jerusalem, but that path would not have led to us. So for Jesus, this 10-chapter journey towards Jerusalem, every step along the way, 10 chapters, every step, 
with every step he takes, I will heal you. I will forgive you. I will make you holy. With every step, I love you. I will protect you. I will pursue you to the very end. So this visual of throwing stones at the prophets and Jesus, it comes to us in many forms. The prophets and Jesus come to us in many forms. The form of others. The poor, the immigrant, the homeless, the needy, the hungry, the family member who we're at odds with, that co-worker who seems to be really selfish, persons from the LGBT uh, community, whoever that other is, we pick up our stones and we, we say, no, you're not welcome here. This is sin. Every time we do this, this is sin. This is sin. We meet Jesus in the faces of these different, uh, those different from us, those who threaten us, those who live on the fringe. Jesus is in every face that I meet. And that's a simple reality. These are the ones who reveal that God is incarnate in, in the flesh. These are today's prophets calling us to be God's holy people. The question is, do we see prophets in Jesus or do we see targets? Will we say, leave this place and go somewhere else? Or will we say, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord? 